Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At more to be we believe that it's possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of more to be host of the more to be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, we are joined by a fellow author. Uh, her name is Monica Swanson. She is the author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. She's also a popular blogger. You might have come across her content on the Today Show, Huffington Post, and the Mother of Boy Society, also known as Mom Society. She's also the host of the Boy Mom Pop podcast, so you'll have to check that out. And uh, Monica comes to us from one of my favorite places in the world, Hawaii. And I actually got to connect with Monica through an author group. We were introduced through Wendy Speak, who some of you have heard my friend Wendy on the podcast talking about the sugar fast and uh, breaking that idol of sugar so we can feast on Jesus. And so I'm uh, just really glad that Monica could be here with us. Welcome, Monica. Oh, so good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and I'd love to know what uh, a little bit about your family and what life is like for you in Hawaii. And then ultimately, I want to know what led you to write this book, Boy Mom. You bet. Well, yeah, we're pretty much on vacation every day. Just kidding. <laughs> people, people imagine, no, we have real life here in Hawaii. My washing machine is broken and I've got laundry piled up. So yes, real life. But my husband and I are both from the Pacific Northwest. So I'm from a small town south of Seattle and my husband's from a small town um, outside of Portland, Oregon. And we moved here 18 years ago for his medical residency program. At that time, we had one small little boy. And since then, we've had three more sons. So we are a boy family, have four sons, ages now 20 down to nine. Wow. And um, yeah, after the three-year residency, I imagined we'd move back to the Pacific Northwest. But somehow by then, we had... Well, my husband had the surf bug for one, and then we started raising little surfers, so our boys are all surfers, and nine years ago, we moved kind of out to the country here on the north shore of Oahu, mm. so most people think of Oahu, they think of Waikiki, uh, Honolulu, but we're about an hour away out kind of in the country near the surf spots, and um, we live on a property where we do grow tropical fruit, and it's a simple life. Um, but it's real life. I homeschool my boys. Two are graduated now, so I got two more at home, and that's kind of the background to us. That is awesome. I, <laughs> I had um, I had always dreamed of going to Hawaii. We just needed to camp out there for a second. Yeah. And, and God provided an opportunity for my husband to have a one-day teaching gig in Waikiki. Ooh. Wow. And and so tell me, you got to come and stay for more than one day. <laughs> yeah. I went with him. It was our 20th wedding anniversary and we stayed. And so we traveled the whole island. So when you said where you, where you drove, you know, where you live, I'm like picturing it in my mind. Yep. Yep. What part? Is it Mm -hmm. by the food trucks on the North Shore? Yes. If you remember big Waimea Bay, I um, live just beyond Waimea Bay up on a big hill overlooking um, the whole North Shore kind of surf spots so yeah that's where we are that's lovely so yes. that's a much preferred spot than where I am right now well you know I miss seasons I definitely do miss yeah. seasons and um I try to visit the northwest in the fall if I can because that's my favorite season so yeah yes yeah. there's no perfect place on the planet there isn't there isn't yeah. it, it Hawaii is a bit difficult to get anywhere though so it's a big trip anywhere you go is yeah. a big trip there's no like you know 
road trips here. <laughs> no, no. One of my um, dearest friends uh, is originally from Waikiki area. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so her parents still live there. So when we went down to visit, uh, we went to see her parents because uh, I had her mom, because sure. whenever her mom comes to the States, it's not just a week. I mean, she would come for two months. And so oh, yeah. I got to know her mom through that yep. experience. So oh, I, I love it. The challenge of in and out. Sure. Yes. And so you know, raising three boys, four boys. Four boys, yes. Four boys. So what led you to write a boy mom book? What is it? Your subtitle is What Your Son Needs Most From You. Kind of give right. me some of that. You bet. So uh, I've been blogging for about eight and a half years. And through the blog, I shared things, you know, from our Hawaiian life, recipes that I cook from the food we grow. And um, took a couple of years before I started sharing more and more of my heart for family, because I've always just had a passion for being really intentional with my children, with my marriage. It's just something I love to talk about and encourage others in. But it was about three and a half years into the blog that I, my second son had become a teenager. So I now had two teenage boys and I was looking around thinking, these boys are such a blessing. Like you said, I enjoyed them so much. Things were going so well. And yet I would see things and hear things on the internet and all this fear of what are we going to do when our boys are teenagers yeah. and everybody talking about the dreaded teenage years and how they're going to, they have to rebel. They have to go through that season. Uh, they, they're going to experiment. They're going to turn away from mom and dad and just turn to their friends and culture. And I was like, no, no, it doesn't have to be like that. Right. So, I wrote a blog post then called um, What a Teenage Boy Needs Most from His Mom. And it, you know, I, I say it wasn't rocket science. It wasn't like I created a new parenting method. It was just what I had experienced as maybe common sense, but but intentional parenting a teenage boy. And that post went viral. It was, you know, within a couple of weeks that a couple million people had read that. And then over the next year, millions more read it. And it just continued and continued. And I thought, clearly there is a need out there for moms to have hope that mm -hmm. they really can have a great experience raising their sons. It doesn't have to be something to dread. No. So, yeah. Totally yes. Agree. So as time went by, I was like, well, I think I'm going to share some more. So I wrote about junior high boys. I wrote about elementary. I talked about everything from puberty to pornography to peer pressure issues. A lot of peas. But it just started to make sense. I would get so many emails of people saying, oh, can you remind me of this post or that post? And I was always finding them and linking them. I thought maybe I should put the best of what I have into one place. And that's where the book was born. That is just awesome. So fascinating because it, that's the perspective I've had about raising girls or mm. children sure. in general. Yes. Like I yeah. really rebuked that kind of cultural curse of yes. Oh, the dreaded teenage years, they'll be miserable. Oh, yes. I thought, well, why are we speaking death instead of life into Amen. parenting? Yes. And, and, and I never have really figured out what it is other than um, sometimes I think it's easier to plan the defeat than it mm -hmm. is to pursue the victory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Right. And so what we just say, it's just going to be terrible. So then if it's terrible, oh, well, I knew this was going to happen anyway. Right. It's not my fault. Sure. That Whereas makes sense. If we invest ourselves into the process, mm. now we've got some skin in the game. Yes. And how will that feel? I love it. I agree. So what has it looked like for you to kind of put skin in the game in raising your boys? Right. I think putting skin in the game, raising boys, a lot of it is 
not being afraid to parent. So setting boundaries that other people aren't necessarily setting because they're not popular or culturally acceptable. Um, a lot of time as a family, not feeling the need to constantly have them out with friends doing the things that people assume teenagers need to do. Right. So my husband's a really involved father, I'm thankful. So spending a lot of time with just my husband and his boys and us as a family. Uh, we have homeschooled for a, a few different reasons. We don't think it's for everyone, but in our situation, it's been good. But with that, I think that they've been sheltered from certain things, and I'm glad for that. I don't apologize for that. Yeah, yeah. So I think skin in the game is just um, saying no to some things and encouraging them even when it might be lonely or hard and speaking that life and plugging them into the right things, being really selective about influence, whether that is in online influences whether that is social media influences, whether that is in-person influences, really setting them up for success by plugging them into healthy things and saying no to unhealthy things. Yeah. It's interesting. As a parent, and how do I, how do I say this? Like Sometimes I've wondered, as the mom of daughters and a son, if his differences in terms of his temptations towards social media Mm-hmm. which don't seem to exist at all. Like the boy can leave his phone at home. And I love it. Take it. Good. Uh, and he, he's not interested in playing video games. He thinks they're stupid and a waste of time. Wow. That's, and so, that's rare for a boy. Very rare. And not for lack of trying on our part. I mean, we were the family that, that when, I guess he's in ninth grade now. So when he was in seventh grade for his birthday, we got the family together to get him an Xbox. Mm-hmm. I felt like he's going to be disconnected from his peers if he doesn't sure. at least know what they're talking about. Yes. And so he, he admits he'll pay attention to what people are saying and look at the games online to get an idea of it, but he's uh-huh. just not drawn into playing that. Yeah. So with him, we haven't had to establish like kind of boundaries in that mm-hmm. regard because right. he's just chosen to not partaken in it at all right whereas our girls two two well one of our girls is very much interested in all of that stuff right. not the gaming but the social media side mm-hmm. of it. yeah she it's personality right yeah yes. so have you seen as the mom of boys have you seen them all kind of this is the way boys are universally or do you see diversities in even their responses For sure. A lot of diversity. I say my four boys are best friends, I'm thankful to say. They love each other. They get along great, but they are very different from one another. Different personalities, different interests. I mean, there's a few things that tie them all together. They all love to surf. They all love to fish, but very different personalities. And so, yes, video games is something that one of my boys has been much more drawn to than the others. And I think it's a personality thing. Uh, and I think that we've had to parent them each very individually, very different from one another. Yeah, I used to say, it's not, it's not as common anymore, it's not needed, but like to parent you fairly means I parent you differently. Mm, that's good, right? I love that. I think I'll write it's, that down. It's not fair to, to put a boundary line on one who doesn't need that boundary line there and to let another one not have a boundary line because that boundary line was different. And so yes. I, we, we had to resolve ourselves to the fact that you're unique and therefore mm. we need to respond to you in light of that uniqueness and your own weaknesses and struggles and temptations <sighs> and giftings. Oh, huge amen to all this. Love it. Right. <laughs> right. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that there's a lot of intentionality in time 
-hmm. a lot of intentionality in uh, boundary lines, a lot Mm -hmm. of intentionality in your parenting. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a specific example in which it was really hard and that you learned as many lessons through it as much as maybe one of your boys did? Oh, that's a great question. And I think if I had some time, I would probably think of a few different things. But what pops right into my mind is I talk a lot about character and raising sons of character. Mm. And I like to believe that, you know, what you do in the early years and teaching them all the Bible stories and talking to them about character is enough so that when they hit their teenage years, they're ready and all set. But I do tell the story in the book about um, a particular son who just hit a season where there was just some ugliness coming out. There was just some really bad character qualities and we were all getting frustrated because it was like he'd walk in a room and, and you almost felt like the whole room was being infected by just this negativity, just that critical nature. It was like everyone else was wrong and he did no wrong. And I was getting to the point where I thought, what are we even going to do with this? For one, I didn't want to live with it. For the other, I thought, what is this going to lead to? Like in the workplace, how can someone like that keep a job? How how could he ever, you know, you can't help but forecast like, what's his marriage going to look like? Like this could be terrible. So what I did after a lot of prayer and like trying to just figure out what I could do is I set him into a season. I called it character training. And I pretty much required that each day, in addition to his devotions, in addition to his schoolwork, that he needed to add 30 minutes of something that would be investing in his character. So I set him up with some Alyssa podcasts, um, some TED Talks, some blogs that he could look to, some good books. And they all were things that I thought would help build character. And I said, you have to do this every day. And I gave him a journal specifically for that. I said, this isn't your own journal to just like write private thoughts. This is one I'm going to check. And every day I want to see the date. I want to see what you did. And then at least one nugget from what you learned that day. Well, at first there was some resistance because it was like you just said, it was like, why me? Are the brothers doing this? I'm like, no, but they don't have the same issue as you right now. Sorry. And a couple days you would just put one short nugget, but over time he started filling pages. He started getting inspired. And over time he became like a podcast junkie to this day. This same son now not only listens to those podcasts I gave him, but he's found so many more that he shares with me. And I started finding note cards hanging above his desk with inspirational quotes and Bible verses. And he started memorizing scripture more than any of my boys. Now, was this something magic because of what I did? Probably not. But I do believe that that intentionality and me being really firm, that this is something I expected him to follow up with, uh, made a big difference. And over time, I did watch him walk into the room. And whereas, you know, we would all kind of you know, prepare for what was coming, I would see him stop and kind of bite his tongue and look for something positive to say, or maybe stay quiet. So I saw some change coming over time. And it really inspired me to, to recognize that as parents, we do have so much um, opportunity to Mm -hmm. help our kids. Like if you see something, you don't have to say, well, bummer, that kid's got a bad personality. (laughs) That kid's going to have a tough time in life. No, do something while you can. That's what I say. So good. I I used to pray, probably still need to be praying that, that their sin would find them out. Oh, yeah. Right. I learned that from from an older mama that 
that, and that was so helpful because in the years that we were at the boarding school, we walked through numerous times of kids getting in trouble, guys and girls alike. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the boarding school we were at wasn't a remedial boarding school. These were kids from godly families, from mm -hmm. affluence, from, mm -hmm. from, you know, not affluence, but all able to be academically yes. motivated and actually um, the motto of the school is character before career. So when you said mm. character, I was like, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and, and so I used to say to them, if they got in trouble, the kids at the school, if you get in trouble, this is an opportunity for you to make a choice. Wow. You That's get so to walk forward now in light of what you've learned, where the consequence has been small, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to make the same choice in five or 10 or 20 years yes. from now, where you're going to lose a job, where you're going to yeah. destroy a marriage, where you're going to break a relationship that is irreparable at that point because of who it, you're yes. in relationship with. This is the time. Oh, I love that. Caught, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there was a time where my daughter, my oldest, she'll kill me probably for telling the story <laughs> anyway, but she, she, it's, it's fair game around the dinner table with friends. So I'm, I'm counting y'all <laughs> and this is dinner table conversation. We were home. I homeschooled her in sixth grade. And uh, so she had a lot of time home with me. Mm -hmm. And it was about Christmas time and I was uh, standing on, on top of the dining room bench so that I could put garland up at the top of the mantle, mm -hmm. like not the mantle, but the, like the top of the dining room cabinet. Mm -hmm. When I get up there to put the garland, there's all these gum wrappers all on the top of this like dining room cabinet. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I knew it was Leah. And I was like, I cannot believe her. And so... I was, I half laughed because I'm like, uh -huh. your worst offense is stealing gum. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, but this is character. Like you're saying, yes. like, this is a year. Why are you feeling comfortable sneaking? Right. Mm -hmm. And yes. So, and I know many parents who might just dis dismiss that yes. with, well, when I was a kid, that's what mm. I did. Exactly. Right? Yes. So sure. I took all the gum wrappers <laughs> and I went to her homeschooling bookshelf where her planner was which I knew she'd had to look at the next day. I opened the planner and I put all the gum wrappers inside. Oh the my goodness. <laughs> and I, I closed the planner and put it back on the shelf and just like waited. Waited. <laughs> oh, I got it. How did this play out? Well, so the next morning I was like, oh, you know, I wrote something in your planner last night for your work today. You better go check it. And I hear her open the planner and go, oh, you know, like, <laughs> I, come around, I come around the corner. I'm like, Anything you want to tell me? And she goes, oh, mom, like, oh, I stole the gum. <laughs> oh, was, my goodness. We have a girl, like, we could laugh this off. We could uh -huh. dismiss it. Mm -hmm. But my husband and I had talked that this was a character issue mm, yeah. of integrity, of honesty, of transparency, of, mm -hmm. of not wanting, you know, we don't want her to, to get in the habit of being deceptive. Exactly. And so my husband came up with this idea. I think it was his idea. It was a long time ago that there was uh, one rose bush in our rose garden that we had inherited this rose garden at this house that we lived in. And there was this one rose bush that was dying. Mm. And he tasked her with the responsibility of bringing that rose bush to life. Mm -hmm. And that if her tending of that rose bush bore blooms, then, then that was awesome. If it died because she neglected to care for it, then uh, she'd have to replace the rose bush, mm. like thirty or sixty dollars or something. Sure, wow. For sixth graders, it's painful. 
Yes, yes. And she, to this day, will talk about how that rose bush survived because she showed up and she took care of it. Oh, wow. And it, it wasn't like a great connection between the gum and the, mm -hmm. the deception and the rose bush per se. Mm -hmm. Yet it was an opportunity to say, here, we're dealing with a character issue. So let's make you aware of how character counts mm. in this other area of life that's more mm. publicly seen. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I talk in, in the book too about how, you know, sometimes there's an obvious consequence, you know, cause, yeah. cause and effect, natural consequences are great. But when you're in those situations where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even think of something. I love yeah. what, what you and your husband did there because there is a connection, especially if you explain it to your daughter. Yeah. Absolutely. I just love that. And, and she did not soon forget either. So, oh no, that story continues on because the I rose bush survived and, and oh. was beautiful. Uh, and it, it was a special rose bush because it, the man who had owned the home before we lived in it, uh, had given a rose bush to his wife on every birthday or holiday. Mm. Wow. You know, anniversary. So it wasn't just a rose bush. Yes. It was the stewardship of somebody else's mm, I love that. gift, which so good. I mean, you can go on and on with the, the parallels of what God gives us and how to That's right. carry Steward. out those lessons. Oh, I love that. So I know uh, talking about stewardship, I, I, I see our study of the word and imparting the word on our children as mm. part of our like primary stewardship as parents. Definitely. Which I know you do as well. And you yes. had mentioned to me that Psalm 119 was really significant mm -hmm. to you. Do you want to kind of set that up as I grab my Bible here and I'll read, I'll read a couple of the verses. You bet. Yes. Well, we um, do, my husband and I do talk to our boys a lot just about the word of God and how important it is that they treasure the word of God in their heart because they're going to face different situations where they may not know what to do. They may not know what's right and wrong. But if they do have the word of God hidden in their heart, that the, the Holy Spirit will guide them to what is right and what is wrong. And so we, one thing we do is we have our boys read Proverbs each day as part of their devotions. We think a chapter a day of Proverbs is a really great thing, especially for teenage boys, because it's so practical for their life. And then... Um, yeah, then they also just are in small groups and different Bible studies where they are going through different devotionals or different sections of the Bible. But yes, yeah, Psalm uh, 119 is one of my personal favorites and a few verses in there that we have asked our boys to memorize and they have hidden away in their own hearts. So yes. Yeah. So I'm going to read this and then I have a couple questions for you. So mm -hmm. um, picking up at uh, chapter 119 in Psalms and uh, verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and will not forget your word. Mm, beautiful. It is. I mean, you're, you're, you're quoting it. The literal expression you used was having your boys hide the mm -hmm. word in their hearts. And that's just not Monica speaking. That's God exactly. conveying yes. to us. That's an active mm -hmm. process that we're all called to. So have you faced any resistance from your boys? I am thankful to say that we really haven't. 
And I don't know, we do have a fourth son coming up. So I always like to say, you know, to be more not, they're not angels, they're not perfect, but they've all really grown up to love and appreciate the word of God. I mean, daily devotions are sometimes hard. You know, this morning we're homeschooling and sometimes waking up and just doing the next thing is difficult. Getting out of bed is difficult. But as far as reading the Bible, we really haven't. And I I can only think that maybe that's because it's been a part of their life since they were so young and that it's been a positive experience that they really have appreciated and enjoyed and seen the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's all, that's a gift. That's awesome. It is. That there we we have so many listeners that are coming from so many walks of life that there are some that are making that decision with their, their little ones little. Mm -hmm. And, and now your testimony is hope for what can come through that faithful stewardship, that that family culture of we live by the word. And yet there's mamas out there who are thinking it didn't work that way. Sure. Exactly. I, I want to always be clear that, you know, our kids have a free will yeah. and we have an enemy that's working hard just because they turn away for a season doesn't mean it's forever. We yeah. can always continue to pray and hope that they will uh, develop a hunger for the word of God. But in our situation so far, it hasn't happened. And, and for that, I'm super grateful. I recognize it is a blessing. It's a gift. And, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. We're, we're not done yet. No. <laughs> No, I know. And, and for us, like it's, it's been an interesting journey for us because there were years, like our four children have such different expressions of their faith, right? That it's been very hard over the years to discern amongst my four children. Is this authentically their own? Right. Are they truly, are they in motion or are they in relationship? And with each one of them, whenever I have felt that kind of pause in my spirit, that check in my spirit, I've, I've been uh, sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit's leading, I think, to pray before I open my mouth most times. There have been occasional times I can think of right now where I should have prayed instead of speaking. But I remember with my oldest at one point saying, listen, when is this going to get real for you? And for her, it really didn't get real until she went to college asked for her first own Bible, not a a Bible that she needed because she went to Christian school, but asked for her own Bible and has made a steadfast commitment of studying God's word. I mean, this is, she just turned 20 and for her birthday gift, she asked for, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's an ESV journaling Bible where each book of the New Testament is its own journal so that she can journal her way through it. I'm like, oh my word. She asked for that like a month and a half before her birthday. I would have told you that when she was, when she was 12, I thought we were losing her spiritually. When she was 16, I thought it was just head and not heart. Um, and then for my, my 17 year old, you know, she's the one that kind of came out of the blue when she was in sixth grade and said, I need to be baptized today and, and, and pushed for it. And yet her faith is very private. And, and then the twins, I mean, same exact experiences, very different responses. Luke, who did not want to read because he could not see until he was three and he got a late start. He didn't really start reading well and on his own until sixth grade. Reads the word of God 
almost daily at bedtime. You know, his sister, who is has been a reader since she was born, uh, often says to me, Mom, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't want my faith to just be a, a habit. I want it to be real. But when I go to read God's word, it doesn't make any sense to me and I don't understand it. And so I have to extend grace to both of them. Right. That their faith isn't going to look like mine or how I want it to look for them. Yes, I love that. And that's where my husband has really encouraged my boys to be honest, like you said, with your daughter and, and to ask the hard questions. Yeah. Because the last thing we want is them to have just the head knowledge or to believe because we do. Or yeah. like, you know what, if it's truth, it's going to stand every test. So ask the questions, yes. dig in, doubt, question pray and let God reveal himself. And, and everyone's story is different to some. It clicks at a different time than others. Yeah. So I think that's great that she's telling you that honestly. I'm thrilled. And I've told her then continue to say that we, we started a habit that I think many of our listeners can, can try to put into practice for themselves. Like uh, I started saying to my 14 year olds, we need, we need to meet as many nights a week as possible and, and do devotions together. Like we just, that connecting time and, and Luke would meet with Steven and I would meet with Caitlin and, you know, uh, Luke and Steven personality wise, fantastic. Not miss a beat. One of them would say to the other, let's meet in and out in 15 minutes. Looks Caitlin and I, well, and then a conversation and then an hour later in three months it took Caitlin and I to get six chapters that took Luke and Stephen to get in 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 10 days it's fun and so I I just share that because I want parents to feel like it's normal it's organic and then we just fell off the bandwagon all together summer hit schedule street all grades about but in the middle of the summer, I was going through a really difficult time emotionally, and there was a lot of conflict with the kids. And I, I just felt like we were like in a season of like that mm-hmm. yeah. harshness with each yes. other. Summer and does I, that, I think. <laughs> I hear a lot. I hear that a lot in the summer. Maybe a summer. I don't know what it was. Uh, uh, but I said, we're going to meet as a family at 10 o'clock every night and have devotions. 10 o'clock. Wow. 10 o'clock. You're, you're night owls. Well, I've got, you know, two young adults who were Mm -hmm. working and the twins would rather not go to bed. And so sure, any excuse to stay up when you're, I said, fine, you don't want to do the dishwasher at 10 o'clock at night. We can do devos. Uh, And there was grumbling. There was, why do we have to do this? What do we have to do this for? Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet by the, it took about seven days. Mm -hmm. There was a, are we doing devos? Yeah, good. So I just want parents to think like it's never too late to try something. Totally. Exactly. That I was just going to say, sometimes you have to try a few different things and figure out what works for e- either each kid or for the family. I love that. I was going to say the other thing that I think has been really helpful for my boys is to find really good role models. So people outside of mom and dad, and you know, that can be a youth leader, somebody in our own community that they really look up to and they might spend time with. But also because we do have the internet now, some of the people that are role models in my boy's life are people that they'll never meet in person, you know, whether they're athletes or musicians or, you know, people who 
speak, you know, travel and speak, they, they follow people who they admire, who will encourage them spiritually. And I just love that because it's somebody outside of mom and dad. And sometimes that can be more powerful than us. Yes. The kid, the circle, I call it the circle of mentors and that we all need it. Somebody else to speak life into our kids' lives. Yes. I think it could come through uh, the relationships that we as adults have with other adults mm -hmm. and just step in. And sometimes it may just be a single conversation mm -hmm. that another adult has with that child. Uh, I'm part of an organization where we do equine assisted therapy and oh, wow. Yeah, super fun. Uh, we work with kids who have um, survived some sort of trauma mm -hmm. and who's, or presently are in the middle of some sort of trauma due to whatever their parents are going through. Sure. And one of the statistics that my friend Shelly shares all the time is that the, one of the number one preventives for a child who uh, is thinking about suicide is the investment of one caring adult in their life. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. And it's not a guarantee. I can tell you of a, of a child sure. that I know that took his life, who was surrounded by a community yes. of investors, you know, people investing into him. And in that case, I would say it, it was mental illness that mm -hmm. played the sure. trump card over everything. Yeah. Uh, but that, that habit of having our kids have other people speak into their lives is really why I'm such an advocate of mentoring and think that we need to create that culture. I agree. Yes. Which requires, would you say, some confidence on your part as a mom to know that you're not being replaced, you're being yeah. supported. Yes, for sure. I think so. Um, and, and also some thoughtfulness in making sure that the people that you're setting them up with are going to be speaking truth yeah. and not confusing or misleading them. And so that, that's a prayerful process. Yeah. And yet there is the faith of just trusting that God's going to work it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. That he, that he is over it more than we can yes. be over it. Oh yes. Exactly. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Right. So what is one kind of closing thought in terms of speaking to the mom of boys right now, or the mom of one boy as the case mm -hmm. may be in, right. in there? Like, what would you give as kind of the call to them of what they should do next in their investment in their mothering? Sure. Well, I think that the one thing we can all do, no matter what age or stage our kids are in, is, is just pray for our boys and to cover them daily in prayer. It's so obvious and yet so easy to overlook or to mm -hmm. develop really bland prayers. <laughs> um, I know that, you know, I can get in that habit of just being, God, be with my boys. So I've always used Stormy O'Mardian's, you know, power of a praying parent. Um, I do have 12 prayers for our sons on my website that's available for download if people want to put their son's name in 12 of the prayers that I pray using scripture. So praying for your son is the most powerful thing you can do. God knows them better than we do. God knows their everything behind and before them. So I say, never quit praying for your son. And the other thing I just encourage moms to do is, is talk to your boys. Don't be afraid to talk about the hard things. Don't be afraid to continue to talk, even if they're not talking back and to not be afraid to have some quiet moments. And so um, 
the best way I find to connect with my boys is being shoulder to shoulder rather than eye to eye. Yes. So I love going for walks, being in the car together, you know, saying no devices in the car, let's go for a drive or if you have somewhere to go and then bringing things up, even if inside you are cringing, even if it's the most awkward thing in the world, bringing up topics like, um, you know, pornography, bringing up their sexuality, bringing up their relationships their emotions, the things that boys don't usually want to talk about. And if they don't want to talk, being okay with that, but then revisiting it again. And the other key for teenage boys, which I'm sure you're experiencing now is that late night thing. So right about the time mom wants to collapse into bed is usually when boys are most likely to open up. Yes. So sitting on the edge of their bed, scratching their back and saying, talk to me, tell me, tell me how you're really doing yeah. and then waiting. And usually they're going to open up a lot more than you would ever expect late at night if they're not having to give you eye contact. <laughs> yes. Oh, I totally agree on all those principles. I've found them uh, through. And I, my, my son sleeps in a bunk bed, so mm-hmm. I can't climb yeah. up there. But right. if I go up to my bed, uh-huh. he will find his way next to me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so I've had to really pay attention to, Hey mom, what are you doing? Uh, totally. And and then being really good at nothing. Come on over. Sure. When I'm really thinking, I'm trying to get one more thing done. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, oh, that is solid. Yeah. Right? Those are the opportunities. They really are. And and they're yeah, boys boys need us more than we realize, even in their teenage years. They yeah. still want that connection. They still love us and they don't always know how to handle it. They don't know how to communicate it. But when we're comfortable, even if we have to kind of fake being comfortable, then that opens the door for them to do the same. Yeah. So let me ask you, I know I said we were wrapping up, but I want to ask you one more question. Sure. Uh, How have you navigated the dating discussion with them? Yeah. Once again, I think we're like, I had a friend tease me and say, what did he say? that I should name my book, How to Raise a Unicorn, because my boys haven't been typical. And though I think there's reasons why they haven't been typical, none of my boys dated in high school so far. Okay. Now my 15 year old is a competitive surfer and he's on social media because of his surfing and he does get a lot of attention from girls. So we may face new challenges, but the older two didn't. And I think that a few reasons was, um, for one, they just were so busy being focused on really good things, very serious about school, very into their sports, very into their hobbies, and hanging out with their brothers all the time. Uh, Also being homeschooled, I think they just weren't around girls. I mean, they surf with girls, they're at youth group with girls, they have a lot of friends who are girls, but it just wasn't, it didn't come up. They, They weren't in that place where they were looking for um, dating relationships. Now my son in college, I think, is ready and excited about the idea of who he might date. But it really didn't come up. Um, I do have a chapter in the book, though, where I talk about this because I wanted to do plenty of research because I thought I can't speak about something I haven't experienced. And, And so I do think that having the open conversations is key. I think that rules are really challenging because most of the time when there's a rule, kids are going to want to break the rule. So I think having open conversations, communication is super, super helpful. And um, taking it case by case, I quote one of my friends who I turned to when my boys hit kind of the dating age, and I thought that could be a thing we were going to face. And the wisdom that she shared, I think, was really, really powerful. So in that chapter, I think that she had some really good things to say, especially to the moms of younger kids about what you can do to build a foundation so that when that day comes, they're going to make good choices. 
Yeah. But yeah, I think setting a healthy example of a husband and wife who love each other, who have a great relationship, uh, talking about things, not making it the forbidden fruit, but making it something really positive that when that day comes, it's going to be awesome. But really, when is that day? And, and you know, my older son used to say, why would I date? It's not like I'm going to marry someone when I'm 15. Yeah, yeah. So, so that he's been really, you know, he's a thinker. He's logical. Uh, but again, I've got two more coming up. So you can ask me again in a few years. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a question I often ask. I mean, I developed my own theories on it through the years at the boarding school of what worked and what didn't. Sure. Oh, I'd be curious so, to hear. Well, I mean, I, I, I resonate with everything you just said. I think it's a, it's a case by case and it's uh, the personality of the, of the kid for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, your son's very practical, like what's the point? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have it tried to instill whenever I talk on this topic of dating relationships is what we've done with our kids, where we've said, it's awesome when you like somebody. That's great. That's how God made you. And if mm-hmm. we lived according to your biological readiness, you would be married instead of going to college. Like, with a couple kids. <laughs> with a couple kids. And so we got to honor God's design that there's desire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a longing, and each of each of you are going to enter that that desire and longing at a different age and stage based on your developmental yeah. state. So when you like somebody, uh, tell us about it and mm-hmm. invite him over for dinner. Invite her mm-hmm. over for dinner, and sure. let us get to know this person that you think you want to invest your time in, yeah. so that we can help guide you along that lines and. That's what we did with uh, both the girls. They were both wanting to date in 10th grade, um, 9th grade, 10th grade. And in their cases, those boys were invited over for dinner. And then Mm -hmm. they started, they had to ask permission to date our girls. Awesome. Good. That's that's a good sign right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they would show up. uh, I wish it would have turned out differently in that both my girls ended up with, well, one ended up with more of a broken heart than another uh, because I don't feel like uh-huh. boys are raised to think about guarding the girl's heart as though mm. it belongs to God. Mm. Right. And yeah. so um, I, I dig into like Ephesians five, whenever I'm talking to guys or girls about this of like, what does it say that, that a man, a husband is supposed to be, what does it say that a wife is supposed to be? And how can you begin to cultivate that character, that nature in, in yourself now to prepare you for this relationship that you may or may not have one day? And if you enter into a dating relationship, how does that dating relationship build that character development or damage it? Absolutely. So I so would good. I would imagine with the way you're already intentionally raising your boys, that that's almost like inherent into their thinking. Mm-hmm. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Right. But, but I love how you do that because what you're doing is taking something that can be isolated to just dating to, and, and making it more big picture. Yeah. What, what, how does this affect God's yeah. design for you? and your life and your legacy and, and helping kids to think. I think kids don't always connect the dots when nope. they're teenagers, but, but if you can help them to connect the dots and think bigger picture, that's always yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It requires a lot of intentionality. <laughs> 
but it, it I does fruit. I'm seeing the fruit and I'm not, like you said, I'm not there yet fully. Mm -hmm. I still have two yeah. yet to launch, including my son. Here. Right. Right. But, right. And, and a broken heart is, but you know, I'm ready. I know my sons are going to have to have a few broken hearts probably before they find the right one, but yeah. that that's good for them too. They're going to develop character through that as well. Well, it certainly, it made us question what, were we right in saying that they could date? Sure. So we have yeah. said no to this. Was this a mistake? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we mm -hmm. can see at this point that that God's presence never left, and yeah. His love was never taken away, and His faithfulness was there, and that suffering is part of life, the side of heaven. And so, mm. broken hearts are not the end of the world. Exactly. Right. They are. Oh, but but they hurt us as moms, right? <laughs> oh. Oh, and I, I had to go through my own forgiveness and my yeah. own, you know, trusting mm -hmm. God. And mm -hmm. I had to get over my own mama bear tendencies and say, totally. okay, Lord. Oh yeah. You're the, the joys protector. of parenting. Oh. So hard. Well, oh, yeah. Monica, thank you for being on the podcast today and with me in this conversation about raising boys. And, and oh, so fun. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you and find your book. You bet. Uh, I can be found at monicaswanson.com. That's my home base website. And everything is there as well. But specifically, the book is monicaswanson.com forward slash boy mom book. And of course, the podcast would be forward slash podcast. Uh, I love Instagram. You can find me at monicaswanson underscore. And then somehow on Facebook and Twitter, I am still at the Grom Mom. And that's with two M's in the middle. A Grom is a little surfer skater kind of kid. And when I first started blogging, I was the Grom Mom. And that kind of stuck in a few places that can't be changed. So the oh, Grom Mom funny. is my handle in a couple places still. But you'll find me if you look for Monica Swanson as well. And I love to meet new people. So if you find me, please say hi. Tell me where you found me. And I would love to be friends. That is awesome. Well, let me uh, close this out in prayer. And then we'll go do our mothering. Lord awesome. Jesus, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Monica. Thank you for her encouragement to keep skin in the game for this boy mom journey. And for the benefits of investing in prayer and character development and side-by-side -side time and conversation time and boundaries and all all the nuggets of wisdom that she gave us uh, none of which really even compare uh, to the value of being in your word hiding your word in our heart and encouraging our boys to do the same we can't make them god we can't make any of our children do anything but we can guide them and so god i ask that you would be with the mamas out there who are feeling inadequate and ill-equipped, Lord, would you speak to them? Would you show them how to um, have a fresh encounter with you, Lord, and your word, that that may overflow organically and purposefully into the lives of their children. And I thank you for Monica again. I ask that you bless her and keep her and make your face shine upon her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support of the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.